All right, guys, I got a special treat for you today. I was actually a guest on Harry Spite's podcast, Sales Made Easy, and we had such a great conversation on there about core values and the way that I operate my sales teams today. I really wanted you guys to be able to listen into this. So check out the guest interview and enjoy the show. Welcome to Building Great Sales Teams, a show dedicated to making sales teams tick, tick, boom. Great sales teams are not recruited, they are built block by block. Let's get to work. What is the good word, ladies and gentlemen? Today with me, I have visiting us from the beautiful state of Texas is Doug Mitchell. He's the president of Argenta Field Solutions. I got to say that right. Argenta Field Solution. Field Solutions. Oh my goodness. Can we stop and start all over again? No, we don't do that. We're going to start right now again. Uh, yeah. So Douglas Mitchell is visiting us, the Sales Made Easy podcast. He's the president of Argenta Field Solutions. He's a husband and father of three. He's been in sales and sales leadership for over a decade. And right now he is not only working, uh, helping others with solar, he's helping sales teams to develop. And he is a podcast host as well of the podcast called Building Great Sales Teams. So Doug Mitchell, welcome to the Sales Made Easy podcast. Thanks for having me, Harry. This is uh, this is great. When I had you on on my podcast, uh, I didn't expect the invite, so I, I really appreciate it. Yes, well, it's the law of reciprocation. Uh, something about being on someone else's podcast, especially <laughs> when there's good energy. Yeah, uh, I want those people on on uh, the Sales Made Easy podcast. And it's funny because not everyone has good energy. So for those of you who have, I've been guested on your podcast, and you haven't been on mine. Don't put two and two together. It just, I have not gotten around to it yet, but I will invite you in all likelihood. All right. So what's on your mind today, Doug? Are we talking sales? Because that's what this podcast is about. So what do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, from a, from an early age, my, my talent's always been the ability to, to develop teams. And so, mm -hmm. you know, although I wasn't a, a stellar individual salesperson, you know, I worked hard and that's kind of all you need to be a good salesperson. You know, most of the time you have somewhat average salespeople around you. If you just work a little harder, you'll get ahead. Right. Um, yeah, I, I like it. But what I figured out, what? What okay, I, I'm sorry. Yeah, you, you go. go. What I figured out early on was that if I develop the system, if I develop a good system and then I put, I can put anybody into it and develop them into a salesperson versus going and looking for salespeople. Right. And so that, that helped me out uh, early in my career for sure. Yeah. So, all right. So first of all, I'm going to go into that. You weren't a stellar salesperson, but you worked hard. Absolutely. So what does that mean? Because I think sometimes people work hard and they still can't sell. And then, yeah. So talk to me about, you obviously sold some stuff over the years, right? Well, I think a, a good salesperson is defi defined by their conversion rate, right? So if you go on 10 sales calls and you convert five of them, that's a high conversion rate. You know, average is probably about three you know, and then maybe I was around two, right? Okay. But I would just prospect so much that I went on like 15 sales calls and I could 
work my way into average. And then in doing that, you get a lot more reps. You get a little better at your craft. You take a little more notes. You develop a little more. And then you get better. And maybe you'll turn into average. But I'm still going on 15 sales calls versus another salesperson that's going on 10. Right? right. They may be closing five, but I'm closing five also because I'm working harder. And then as yeah. I develop myself, I'm able to close even more than maybe a really good sales rep. So I think, you know, defining a, a, a talented or somebody that is a natural born salesperson is very tough to do, but you can always mm -hmm. do it with the numbers. Right. And the yeah. conversion rate, I think, is where it's at on that. Yeah. And you still have to actually develop some skills. So can we go back into your background a little bit mm -hmm. as how you were, what it was in sales that you started with? If I can ask that question, yeah, right? Absolutely. So like, like most of us entrepreneurs, we couldn't really find where we belonged early on in life. And so as I graduated high school, I followed a girl uh, to Corpus Christi, Texas, knowing nobody there except her. And uh, I probably worked anywhere from 10 to 15 different positions, mainly labor, you know, busboy, mm. uh, refinery work, I uh, worked in a factory. I did all that stuff. And probably about 90% of the jobs I had, I got fired from because <laughs> okay. I was always trying to develop a better system of doing it. I always saw the uh, inefficiencies in the systems that we were using. And I, and I try to develop new ones to do it faster, more efficient. And typically in most companies, that's not, it's not a, uh, it's not a accepting attitude to somebody that wants to change things. Right. Right. And so I, I didn't last long at a lot of places until I found, uh, I found working for another entrepreneur and then he appreciated my ability to create systems or to refine them. And so that kind of like opened up, uh, my exposure to sales, which at the time was real estate. And I worked for the number okay. one realtor in Corpus Christi, Texas. And so I got to see him develop relationships with clients in order to make sales. Right. So he was a, mm -hmm. he was a, a great networker, a king relationship developer, and always knew how to maintain his relationships really well to where they always came back for repeat business. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and so he was a rainmaker. That was my first exposure to that. I did marketing for him. So I managed the like just listed postcards and signs and photography for like 300 properties that he had listed at one time. Okay. And so he was a pretty big realtor and that was kind of my first exposure to it, like I said. And then from there, I went on to work for another entrepreneur who had a boiler room and they did, they did collectible gold sales. So if you've seen the movie Boiler Room, it was very similar to that. <laughs> and so that was my next exposure to sales. And I saw these guys and they were making like 150, 200 grand. And this was, you know, 15 years ago. So, mm -hmm. you know, do the equation for inflation. <laughs> and so right. that was really good money back then. Right. It's like $10 million. Now. Right. <laughs> 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 and so I, I started listening to them. And as I listened to the conversations, I was like, man, I could do this, you know? And so I started I, I was a marketing manager for them at the time, making 30 grand a year. And, and so I started asking them, hey, can I come in on evenings and weekends and pitch the cold leads? You know, the old leads, the used up one, nobody wants to pitch, right? And that's kind of how I cut my teeth in, in sales was over the phone, boiler room style, you know, understanding the steps to a conversation and closing at the height of impulse, you know, figuring out all those things. And then uh, during that time, that uh, entrepreneur that I worked for, he started another company called Argenta Field Solutions, which is my company now. 
And uh, he gave me the opportunity to start managing it. And it was a door-to-door sales company. And so uh, he asked me to start managing it, see if I can get it back to profit. And I was like, okay, let me give it a shot. And then six months later, we were in the black, right? He tried to sell it, didn't work out. So I ended up owner financing it from him for 200 grand. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was not worth 200 grand. It was an AT&T contract, you know, that's the mm-hmm. whole company, right? There was a few salespeople, mm-hmm. but didn't really have any uh, systems in terms of sales training and all that. I was developing them at that time. So one of the things that I recognized right away is, okay, I'm an okay salesperson. I can learn this and I can work my butt off and and do well at it. Or I can take what I've learned, put it on paper, train other people on how to do it, and then train those people how to train other people on how to do it, right? And so as I put together those systems and processes, I also put together uh, accounting systems and recruiting systems and... um, bonus structures and everything that goes into supporting a sales organization. And I wore all the hats, right? Yeah. And as I uh, developed in the company and as we started doing better and I started recruiting more people and I got up to like 10 people, then I started promoting people to wear those hats. Right. And then just kind of developed it from there. And we got all the, you know, the, at at our height, we were, we were doing uh, 5 million in commissions annually and I had 110 salespeople working for me. My goodness. Yeah. So you went from uh, the guy that was working uh, blue collar looking for, mm-hmm. you know, his purpose to working in a boiler room, uh, which is a different type of boiler room from the factory, clearly. And then doing this, what, what kind of training did you have to start do- all of this you know, sales process and sales enablement and comp plans and so forth. Where, where did all this come from? So I had no formal training. I didn't go to college. Um, even, even though I worked for these other entrepreneurs, you know, by my standards today, they didn't have good systems in place mm-hmm. and they didn't have uh, good structures and they were wearing too many hats, right? Yeah. And, and by my standards today, like I would have never ran my business like they did. Right. Mm-hmm. And so what I, what I recognized early on is I had a talent to build out the systems if I didn't. So the first thing I did was knock, knock doors for three months straight when I started managing the company. Yeah. And I was like, okay, what does it take to be a successful salesperson? And then at the end of that third month, I was closing about six to seven deals a week, right? Nothing crazy, okay. but it could earn you, you know, 50 grand a year as a, mm-hmm. as a door to door salesperson. Right. Okay. I was like, okay, I can work with that. That's the, that's the avatar that I need mm-hmm. to support. And so I, you know, my talent early on was the ability to develop the system. So I always saw that, you know, I always saw the systems and everything. And, yeah. um, that was kind of like what got me there. But then, you know, as I got older and I started realizing, Hey, I need education. <laughs> you know, I started, you know, working with mentors and, mm-hmm. uh, uh, masterminds and stuff like that to teach me the stuff that I was missing. Right. But for the longest time, it was very shoot, shoot from the hip. Let's try this. Mm -hmm. Oh, that didn't work. You know, it was a, it was a hard knock early business education. You know what I mean? Accounts going zero accounts going negative, you know what I mean? Not being able to make payroll and then, you know, having a hundred grand in the bank account, not knowing what to do with it. I mean, just roller coaster ride of my (laughs) twenties. Sounds amazing. So what would you say would be a big lesson that you learned through that process? 
you know, and it, it was a lesson that my uh, previous partner and the previous owner of the company taught me early on. He was like, if I could go back to school for anything, I would go back to school for accounting because oh. the, the money is where most entrepreneurs screw up. And mm-hmm. I was lucky in that I was in a, what do we call it, a cash cow type business mm-hmm. to where if we needed money, we'd go out and make a bunch of sales and then we'd have it the next week, right? Right. And so I got lucky in that I was involved in a business that could print money basically. Mm-hmm. And even though I ran out a lot and didn't manage my finances very well, uh, I was able to overcome that over the years, you know? And, and that's another thing I, I always you know, tell my friends and stuff when they decide to start a business is they ask me for advice and I just tell them, look, the, the best advice I can give you is just don't quit. Businesses, yeah. you know, everybody says, oh, that business failed or we went out of business. I don't really believe that. I think you just gave up. Now, giving up isn't necessarily always a bad thing. If it's not working, it's not working, right? Right. But at the end of the day, you said, I don't want to do this anymore. This isn't working for me. So I'm moving on to another business or I'm taking the W-2 job back, whatever the case is. And I had, I never had a real good reason to give up, you know, because I knew the next month I could make more money. I knew the next week, the next day, whatever the case is, because we're in commission sales. Mm -hmm. And so that would be my advice is just don't give up. And that was the biggest thing that I would learn. And then also get your accounting on point or hire someone that knows numbers or bring them on as a partner into the company and put them at an executive level to, to manage the, the numbers and to have that accountability in place. You know, yeah, that's something nice. I'm working on right now. I'm putting a package together for a fractional CFO right now because I need that, that person, that accountability, the one that's on top of the numbers all the time. Cause at, at the end of the day, I'm good at running a sales organization, not mm-hmm. doing the books. Yeah. There's only so much one can do. Absolutely. And I don't, I don't, I don't enjoy it. You know, I don't enjoy budgets and, you know, being told I can't spend more money. I love spending money, (laughs) especially when it's on my my people or my teams or my business, you know. Mm -hmm. And so I always put it all back into the business when I should have been putting reserves in place. You know what I mean? Reserves and investments for the company and, you know, putting the future of the company first before all these cool things I wanted to do. Yeah, exactly. So they... The background, having some kind of accounting background, even though it wasn't there, finding someone to fill the void was helpful. And what trap would you say it will help prevent or, yeah, the challenge trap, whatever the word is? I would say that the celebration trap, right? Because we had a lot of good months. We Mm -hmm. had a lot of records, you know, and I always felt like I had to over over celebrate or over incentivize or over bonus my people you know what i'm saying i mean yep. there was one year we went to like six dallas cowboy games and three of them we were in the suite and the other three we were on the second or third row right mm-hmm. and i just always felt like hey this is my team and we've done really well and i want to reward them mm-hmm. you know what i mean and yep. so i always spent a ridiculous amount of money on them having fun and if there was just a budget in place you know, two grand a month for right. incentives, you yeah. know, something like that, then we would have been fine. But instead I was spending five and six and seven grand a month on, uh, what is it called? Um, a few hours of inter- fun, right? Entertainment and dining, I think is the QuickBooks class classification. <laughs> <laughs> that bill every month, my, my CPA, when 
so the, there's a big difference between a CPA and a bookkeeper, right? Yeah. And the CPA looks at your taxes retroactively, typically. Now, they're a lot better now. They're more aggressive, and they do tax strategy, right? But mm -hmm. um, the bookkeeper is the one, like, logging the reconciles every day and, and seeing what's coming in and what's going out. But they really aren't going to hold you accountable, right? Their job is to keep track of everything. So when my CPA saw that line item, he was just like, I don't spend that in five years on my company. Mm -hmm. And we do the same amount that you do. I'm mm -hmm. like, well, I have a sales bit. You know, I would try to justify it and stuff like that. But the, if the numbers don't make sense, they don't make sense, you know? Yeah, but your team loved you, I bet. Oh, yeah, I mean, I bought loyalty for sure with that. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Instead of having a mission statement and core values and, you know, getting the right people, I just bought loyalty, you know, mm -hmm. uh, early in my career. Because wow. I didn't know yeah. any better. You know, I, said, mm -hmm. I thought, oh, I have to do this stuff or they'll leave me, you know? Yeah that whole yeah. deal and they left me anyways right because <laughs> i didn't have any purpose or mission in my company at the time it was just yes. about money and incentives which yeah. only last for so long mm -hmm. yeah interesting so what helped you to develop the purpose and mission then i would say joining the business network that i'm in uh mm -hmm. i joined about 18 months ago or almost two years now that i've been really following it and uh the the network is called apex uh, Ryan Stuman's the uh, the influencer that runs it. It's a mastermind, and there's over 1,800 people in it now, and there's different levels to it and everything, and it's just it's one big uh, club of entrepreneurs that support each other, you know? Okay. And they walk you through different systems and stuff that in order to develop your company, and one of those is developing a mission statement and core values. Yeah. And then being able to operate your company on that. And it's not just words on a wall, right? There are mm -hmm. definitely words on my wall. We've got our mission statement and our core values up, but it's also how you operate, how you hire, how you fire, you know, and how you operate on a daily basis. Every meeting that we start begins with our mission statement and core values. And then throughout the meetings, we reference those things. So we understand that, hey, that, that we are operating on this. And then... Like most recently, I had to, I had to let go. Uh, I have um, two major divisions right now. One's for AT&T and one's for Solar. Okay. And yeah. I had a director for AT&T that was no longer living out our core values, right? Okay. And so I had to cut him loose a couple weeks ago. And he was responsible personally for about 15% of the production in that division. And then he was managing the rest of the team, right? And so I had, mm -hmm. this, I had this huge leadership hole now there that I have to kind of like halfway fill. Luckily that team was completely bought in on our core values though. And they understood why I did it and then they supported me and then they all stuck, right? Cause we know in sales, if the leader goes a lot of times, a few people go with them. Well, I didn't lose one salesperson because they believed in our, in our core values. Uh, interesting. Do you mind sharing some of the core values that you have with us? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so our, our mission statement is we help each other achieve freedom. Right. And, you know, it is the very cliche things like financial freedom, but also freedom of faith and freedom of your schedule and where you want to be. Right. Mm. And so every position that we have in the company has unlimited vacation. Right. Um, they're typically sales. Right. So you control your schedule. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we, we really want to achieve that. And then the uh, our core values, just walking through them real quick. 
is uh, we put the mission first. So that's a big one. So if if you're ever doing anything against the mission, then we basically check you on that or you get checked on that, right? Um, our second one is we operate with integrity. That's a big one. That's honestly mm -hmm. why I had to cut the uh, MDU director loose because uh, he wasn't operating in integrity in his personal life. And then he brought it into the business as well, you know, and that's one sure. of the tough things is we live it and we work it, right? But it's very hard in a traditional workplace or a traditional work culture to say, hey, what you do at home matters too. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Because that yeah. bleeds over into the business end of things. It gets a lot easier once it does bleed over to cut it off, right? Right. But we want, we want you to live these core values too, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's... We want you to be inspired to live them at the very least, right? Sure. And so, that, so that's just a few of them. Um, we work hard, we pray hard, right? Mm -hmm. So the old adage is we work hard, we play hard. Right. I thought you said pray. Yeah, I did say pray. Yeah. And so um, I wanted to change it to pray because, you know, I'm a Christian mm -hmm. and um, I talk about that. But I also, I also don't, like, preach or anything like that. We mm -hmm. just talk about the fact that, we work hard, we pray hard, because we work hard, we play hard, often ends in a, a net zero the next day, mm -hmm. right? You go out, you make a thousand bucks in a day selling something, and then you go out that night, and typically what, you know, people that are younger than me do, and then even my age, go out to the bar or to the club mm -hmm. or buy something, you know what I mean? And they call it, hey, we, I worked hard, I get to play hard now, you know? Right. But you end, yeah. you end in a zero net sum, so mm -hmm. what's the point? You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Versus making good choices with that money, taking care of your family, uh, improving your legacy, investing, whatever the case is, and then and then uh, being grounded in prayer, right? And so that's a, a that's a big one. Uh, we don't make excuses. You know, uh, it's very hard to change that culture because we we have a, a culture in general of excuses in the u.s right mm -hmm. everybody's got an excuse for everything oh, my, seriously yeah i don't have time you know is the right. biggest one right yeah well you wake up at 7 a.m and you're late to work every day and uh you know you go out to lunch for an hour and a half and then you come home and you watch netflix for two hours you know what i'm saying well right. you have time you just choose not to use it towards the thing that you're saying you don't have time for you know what i mean yeah and so um that's that's one of the ones that we really work on when people come into our company is, mm -hmm. hey, instead of giving me the excuse first, uh, you know, accept that this thing happened, you know, whatever it was, you fell short, and then tell me how you're going to prevent it from happening again, you know? Mm. And so we train everybody, and we do it to ourselves too. Yeah. And uh, we, we train everybody to do that. And the last one is we live in gratitude. Uh, that's a huge one for us every Every morning we post in our sales flow chat, which everybody sees, uh, what we're grateful for. And we encourage Goodness. everybody for it to be very simple, you know, or mm -hmm. it can be, you know, this amazing thing, right? And so, like mine this morning was, what was it this morning? Um, I'm grateful for all the time I got with my family last weekend. Mm -hmm. You know, because I had spent so much of my 20s working and hustling, and I bought into the hustle culture. I said, I had to work 78 hours a week to be successful, right? Right. And so now I have a completely different mindset, and a lot of times my 
the con- contri- contributions I make to my business are very minimal over the weekends. That's me and my family's time, right? Mm-hmm. And in the evenings as well. My business has a very limited time that it has me. And mm-hmm. then that's, that I pretty much maintain those, those boundaries unless I'm on a work trip or something like that, you know? And so those yeah. are our, our long-winded, long-winded version of the Yeah, values. very nice. Yeah. Yeah. How do, how do you go about, you know, what does it look like where you're actually trying to implement where someone's not, where they're, they're challenged in one of those areas? Mm-hmm. I mean, pick the challenge and then say, okay, so they're, they're not living up to the standards we have. They're not working. I mean, can you really go on? I mean, I'm just being the devil's advocate right. here. Can you go on the personal standards mm-hmm. or do you have to wait until they bring in the problem that's be, where it becomes a work issue? So I'm again, I'm very lucky that I'm part of that apex network. Um, mm-hmm. So I went to, to uh, I think it was about six months ago. I went to Cabo on a mastermind trip, right? They rent okay. out these beautiful mansions and um, it's really expensive to go. They fly you out there private, you know what I mean? And so it kind of filters out who all goes, right? Mm-hmm. And so you're around business owners with minimum, you know, million, two million, three million dollar businesses, right? And then all the way up to a hundred million, yeah. right? And so, you know, being on the lower end of that spectrum, you're automatically like getting way more value than you paid for. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so yeah. I definitely took advantage of that. Through but, osmosis. Yeah, exactly. Right. And so, uh, so we, we, we did a mastermind one morning. We're overlooking, um, I think it's San Pedregal uh, Bay. Okay. And it's just beautiful, beautiful bay and just beautiful homes everywhere, right? And, then, and rolling mountains and stuff. And we're at this mastermind and uh, Ryan, Ryan Stuman asks us, what is your BAP? What is your big ass problem, right? <laughs> and so mine has always been or was at the time, I'm very good at recruiting entry level people. If you can walk and chew gum, I can recruit you to my company and teach you how to sell and you can be successful here, right? Very good at that. Mm-hmm. It's a volume game, lots of turnover, especially in door-to-door or in commission mm-hmm. sales in general, right? Yeah. And so I'm, I'm, I'm very good at running those systems. But I'm 36 now. You know, I've been doing this for 12 years, and I'm tired. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I want yeah. to make more impact with, with less people, right? Mm-hmm. And so I told him, I need to figure out how, how to hire elite closers or elite salespeople or just elite people in general. Now, mm-hmm. this could be somebody that's 22 years old, but just has the right mindset and has their head on, okay. right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But it can, it, typically what I'm saying is like late 20s, early 30s, has experience, mm-hmm. you know, is a six-figure earner, and I want to recruit them to my company, right? Yeah. And uh, so I asked him, I was like, how do, how do you do that? Because he's got probably 26 figure earners at his company. And just these people that he has working for him are amazing. Right. Okay. And so the first thing he told me is, is you have to be the example, right. And everything you do, they have to want to be you. Now I don't mean like physically, I don't mean Mm -hmm. like your swag or attitude. They have to want to be the father that you are. They have to want to be the business owner that you are. They have to want to be the human that you are. And if, you know what I mean? They value integrity and they value the things that I just said, then they're going to be attracted to you one way or the other. Mm. 
And so the first thing you have to do is be that example. So the same thing with the core values, right? And when I look at my leadership team, I have to make sure that when I tell them, hey, we're going to operate in integrity that I'm operating in, in integrity, right. not just yeah. in the business, not just in the balance sheet, but also at home when I'm with my mm -hmm. kids, when mm -hmm. I'm with my fiance, and making sure that I'm doing exactly what I'm asking them to do, right? So yeah. the first thing is be the example so it happens naturally. You'll see people, you know, over the last year, I've seen people on my team that have been with me a year or more change their lives and change their lives or change their families generationally mm -hmm. because they just had a mindset shift and they've been exposed to what I've been exposed to because I'm exposing them to it. Right. Yeah. And so that's the first piece, but that's also not a proactive piece. It's like you said, how do you enforce these things? Mm -hmm. Right. And so the, the next thing that we do is we take advantage of the tools that were given to us by that apex network. And the first tool is the G code. Right. And it's a, uh, it's at dailygco.com. It's a super simple website. You save it to your phone desktop. Right. And it basically asks you, what are you grateful for today? Okay. Right. And then the next thing it asks you is, um, what did you accomplish today? Did you mm -hmm. work out? Did you stick to your diet? And mm -hmm. then, um, what did you learn today? And then I think there's like one more thing and okay. you, you can get a total of four points on this. Right. And so what I did is I instituted it in the company. And so we, we have our metrics that we keep track of, mm -hmm. you know, uh, cost per hire, you know, how many sales, uh, you know, AT&T products we sold that week, how many kilowatts of solar we sold that week. And then under that is, all right, Wayne, what's your, what's your G code score? Doug, what's your G code score? Cheyenne, <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. uh, Robert, you know, Basically, my leadership team, they're right under the, these important metrics that everybody would understand as business owners is these G-code metrics. So basically, I'm adopting that lifestyle to the company as well, and then they're participating in it, right? And you see some friction the first few weeks, but as mm -hmm. soon as they see their name next to that number, something triggers. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, I don't want to be the one that got less than 20 points this week, Right. So if you get three points a day, if you, if you don't eat right every day and you at least work out, you can still get mm -hmm. 21 points in a week, right? So, okay. so yeah. they either pick one or the other. They work out or they eat right, you know? And so all of a sudden, your, your leadership team is getting healthier, losing weight, right? And they're improving their, their lifestyles. And they're also like, you know, we're, we're less quick to anger when we come from a grateful place. We're less quick mm. to to angry thinking when we come from a grateful place, you know, and we tend to kind of see, see through the problems versus get stuck in them. Right. Yeah. And, uh, I so like that, it. that's a really, really cool tool that we use. And then, uh, another one, actually this wasn't created by apex. It was created by Annie Frisella, uh, CEO of first form, uh, 75 heart. And so that's a, yeah. uh, mental toughness program that, about six of my people are on right now that I've completed. Mm. I've completed phase one and I start phase two in like a month after I, I get remarried. Okay. <laughs> Long story there, but yeah, all right. after I get remarried, I'm going to start phase two. And so they see me, I'm leading the way, you know what I mean? Yeah. Already in phase two and they're, they're trying to complete 75 hard, you know? And so again, you be the example and you use the tools that are given to you. And a lot of times 
they will naturally naturally follow that. Now, that's not to say that they have to, because if they don't, that doesn't mean they can't live a healthy lifestyle. Mm-hmm. doesn't mean they can't be grateful every day. But you can, when you have a tool to do it versus when you're supposed to remember to do it by yourself, it's a whole other deal, right? right? And that's yeah. pretty rare. So you, the, the pack separates itself. Yeah, I like that. So do people, when they work with you, do, did they already know this going in that you're this kind of maniac or yeah. did uh, you have conversations after and you said, look guys, I got news for you. Um, I mean, I say maniac yeah. it's completely tongue in cheek, by the way. No, I know. Um, but if uh, so, yeah, cause I can't imagine if you had some uh, no offense to the chain smokers out there, some, some chain smoking, heavy drinker, overweight uh-huh. person that says, what? <laughs> no, not a chance. I'm a great closer, baby. Yeah. You get me for who I am. So, I mean, obviously you probably didn't have any of those types of people on your team anyway. Right. Well, yeah, I, I had a few. Right. Okay. And so when we started instituting this stuff, it was probably about 18 months ago. Right. And it was one of those things like, oh yeah, Doug's on another one of his <laughs> ideas. Right. And then they saw me start instituting it. Right. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I realized, hey, I'm going to I'm going to put this out there. I'm going to put it on social media. I'm going to put it on the company calls. I'm going to invite everybody to go on this journey with me. Yeah. And then if they come, they come. Right. I'm not going to mm-hmm. be a hard ass about this. Right. Yeah. And then nice. what I saw happen was, you know, at first it was novel and they appreciated it and everything, but they weren't going to do it. And then over mm-hmm. time, I saw the company culture change to where they were doing it with me. My leadership team was jumping on. And so my, my uh, minority partner, Wayne Skinner, he, uh, when he joined the company, and this was over 10 years ago, he was over mm-hmm. 400 pounds. Oh, my goodness. So I, I had no idea when I was bringing this up. That's right. Yeah. He, so he, amazing man, amazing father, a man of God, right? Yeah. And um, uh, so in the last 10 years, he's lost about 100 pounds or so. But he's kind of yep. hit that plateau where it's like something's got to change, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, he, I believe, is on day 68 of 75 hard and has lost another like 60, 70 pounds since he started mm-hmm. or since he, since like a year ago, he just started 75 hard recently, which is responsible for most of that. But yep. his his relationship with his wife has gotten better. You know, mm-hmm. his relationship with his family has gotten better. Him and his wife are working out together. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. completely changing their family dynamic. And and so he is like right there with me in terms of leadership, right? And then all my, a bunch of my staff are on 75 hard too. So even though like we didn't, when they were hired, it wasn't like, hey, we're all about these missions and these core values and, and mm-hmm. these tools. Um, the ones that were about that, stayed on and execute right so now now that we're on this re- big recruiting push we talk about these things in the interview sure. yeah so we filter out the people that aren't about it early on you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. and then what happens of course everybody says yes you know they interview great they talk about development that they're that they're all about it and everything and then in the first 30 days they don't do any of it and they either weed themselves out or their production isn't there so we have a conversation and we asked, Hey, are you using these tools that we've given you? No, I'm not using them. Okay. Well, core values don't align. No big deal. Sure. You may be successful at another company, but probably not a good fit for this one. So then yeah. we part ways, you know? Yeah. And that's the beautiful thing about it 
it makes the core values the bad guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> Which they're not the bad guy. They're really the good guy. But like you get to blame it. Two things are responsible for us not working together, right? Either uh, core values or the system, right? And so oftentimes, if it's the system, we'll improve the system. That way we can continue to work together, especially if the core mm -hmm. values are aligned. What would be, I mean, is it just typically that people are not working is the issue when they're not succeeding? I mean, what is it in your business? It, it's typically because they're, they're, they're not planning to win, right? So mm -hmm. what happened, a typical salesperson gets up in the morning, has their coffee, has their morning ritual. Maybe they even work out, right? And then they have time slots for certain things, prospecting. Um, maybe they have time slots, right? Mm -hmm. but, but typically what most salespeople do is they're reactive to the day. You know what I mean? Oh, I got these emails. Yeah. I'm going to go through all my emails. Yeah. Right? And, then, yeah. and then I'm going to make my calls. And then mm -hmm. it's 1 o'clock, and they're still not through all their emails because they're putting out little fires or they're doing yeah. projects. Or I'm they're too busy. They're following I'm too up. busy with like, all the minutiae. I'm, so, I'm not closing anything, but I'm super busy, right, yeah. doing yeah. customer maintenance or whatever the, right. the case is. If service did their job, I wouldn't have to do any of this. Exactly, right? <laughs> And so all I've of a sudden, never heard it's, that. It's, it's two o'clock. They've had a six hour work day and lunch. They took an hour and a half lunch, right? Yeah. And, uh, and they haven't done any prospecting, mm -hmm. right? So um, typically they're not executing properly. It's not that they're not working, they're working, but they're yeah. just reactive to the, to the day versus having specific time blocks for every piece of their, their schedule every day. It's customer service from eight to 10. Once 10 hits, that's it. I got to maintain my integrity. And I've got to move on to prospecting from yeah. 10 to 10 to 12 and then lunch. Right. And it's not, you know, oh, well, it took me 15 minutes to get to the lunch spot. And so I'm going to take an hour here and then 15 minutes yeah. back, you know, and then it's yeah. an hour and a half. It's I have an hour for lunch and then boom, one o'clock. I'm, I'm visiting current clients till 2.30 or 3, and then I'm back on prospecting from 3 to 5. The ones that I didn't get in the morning, I'm going to get in the afternoon. Right. Mm -hmm. And so keeping that schedule, you know, whatever the, the case may be, using their tools and then staying aligned with what they said they were going to do mm -hmm. is, is where I see a lot of salespeople succeed. And again, it's not that they're not working. They're just doing the easy work. Let's be honest. Right. <laughs> they're doing yeah. the customer service stuff. They're doing the, oh, well, if I don't talk to this customer for half an hour today, I'm going to lose the deal. You know what I mean? Versus respecting their time and the customers will, will, fall in line accordingly. Sure. You know what I mean? You can yeah. train a customer to respect your time, you know? Yeah. So it seems like it's pretty unanimous throughout whoever I speak to. I mean, I, having been in sales forever myself, it's, mm -hmm. it comes down to talking to strangers. Absolutely. If you don't want to talk to strangers, then, you know, you can, you can have the best clients in the world, but they can only buy so much from you. I mean, it's great that you know everything about them and that they keep buying from you. That's awesome. But in order to get grow beyond that, it comes down to making new friends. And that's just a real challenge for a lot of people. Yeah, and they get they get stuck on titles. I think calling someone an account manager, you know, is is always tough because they take the management part too seriously. When you're really you know, we have internal titles and then we have external titles, right? Our yeah. internal title for our solar specialist is closer. 
Yeah. Okay. So internally, when we talk about that position, it's closer. Mm-hmm. But when, you know, customer facing, it's solar specialist. Because mm-hmm. they don't, hey, my closer will be there in 10 minutes. <laughs> right. You know, it's probably like, not relatable. That's probably not relatable. Right. And so uh, I think when they hear a title like account manager, subconsciously, they have that manager in the back of their, instead of right. salesperson, you are a mm-hmm. salesperson, you are a prospect door. You know what I mean? Right. Like yeah. your job is to bring in new reoccurring revenue to the business, you know, and if reoccurring, you have to sign up another person next month. If that's what that means, then that's what that means. Right. But you're absolutely totally. right. It's, it's, it's talking to strangers. Yeah. And then it's, yeah. there's the 20, you know, so I, I always like the 60, 20, 20, right? So 60% of my time is prospecting. 20% is managing accounts. And then 20% is getting referrals from existing accounts. Right. And a lot of times the managing the referral goes hand in hand, you know, mm-hmm. so you can mix and match there and one feeds the other. But you really got to spend at least sixty percent of your time prospecting. Mm-hmm. So how long? Uh, I know I'm getting granular here, but how long should someone hold on to somebody that's really not, you know, sticking with the schedule and they're coming up with the excuses? How many warnings do you give? And you know, when do you go back to the core values and say, "Yeah, you're probably going to be more successful somewhere else." You know, I, I hate to be cliche here, but it's kind of the, the three strike rule for me. Mm-hmm. And, okay. and the problem is there's so many variables. You kind of just have yeah. to have a very general rule like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you know, you know, you know, yeah. you, you know, early, don't you? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, you really we, do. The, we the, keep giving, I'm sorry. I'm talking over you. Guys. No, you're good. The, yeah. the first time you give them the corrective action, if they don't immediately own up to it, and then mm-hmm. start instituting that corrective action. Yeah. That's typically your sign. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And too many of us as managers and as humans, we try to save people. Right. Mm-hmm. And I have done so much better when I cut them loose fast because they weren't willing to do the work. Right. Yeah. And then they come back to me a couple months later and they say, Hey, you were right. <laughs> you get and, and I, I, I don't, I don't take any pride in that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I just have a system. We got to follow the system. We got to make sure the core values stay aligned. And if anything falls outside of that, we're going to cut it off. Right. Mm-hmm. Because we want this to be, and it, I don't want this to sound the wrong way. We want this to stay pure. Right. Yeah. I'd rather have 10 people that we all align and we have, we have a goal of a greater impact that goal of achieving freedom and creating legacy for our families, right? Versus a hundred people and like 50 of us have that goal. And the other 50 are just numbers on a board. You know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? I'd much rather have the the 10 that we're all aligned and moving, moving towards those bigger impact goals, achieving freedom and creating a legacy for our families. Cause it is, you you show up happy to work every day. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And in most days I show up to my office, I have, Ryan, my producer for my podcast on my left, he's my media guy too, gets all the content and everything. And the office is empty because my main offices are in Corpus Christi in Houston with, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we have a lot more people. People that are in San Antonio, they work remote. But I, I showed up fired up every day because when I, anytime I have a conversation, whether it's with Harry or it's with, you know, uh, one of my MDU guys, Robert, we're on the same page because... Mm-hmm. We talk about it every day, achieve freedom and the core values, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, 
you're on fire every day. Yeah, so good. Uh, this has been a blast. We could go on for a whole lot longer here. Oh, I've got more could. questions, <laughs> but yes, this is this is great. Um, yeah, and I just I totally can empathize with the mindset of giving people the chance. I mean, I've always looked at it. I, I have a harder time sleeping tonight knowing what the next day was going to break for that person yeah. than they do, right? They're, they're sleeping like babies. Yeah. But they, you know, it's just, it's just the way it is, right? If you're a person that wants people to succeed, you don't mm. want, I mean, sometimes the answer is they're just better off somewhere else and could be a different industry. could be whatever, right? It's just, but that's okay. And, and as long as you have an abundance mindset, you know, you can sleep at night, right? Because yeah. like when I cut loose my MDU director, I get, I, I set him up with his own contract with AT&T. He's been doing this with me for six years. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I know it's his livelihood. I know this is all yeah. he knows how to do. So I set him up with his own contract for AT&T. We're in the same market. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like we could be competing over the same complexes someday, mm -hmm. but I don't really care about that part. Yeah. You know, as long as we're staying true to our mission, then yeah. that the success will come. There's, there's no limit of success out there no matter how many other companies there are like me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so he, true. And he's going to, I hope long-term he appreciates that. And, mm -hmm. you know, if we do run into something like that, like he has grace, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then I have grace on my end and we can figure it out, right? Yeah, beautiful. All right, Doug Mitchell, thanks for making a, a great appearance and bringing the value here on the Sales Made Easy podcast. Where can people find more of your outstanding wisdom? <laughs> <laughs> All I'm doing is 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 uh, duplicating the things that I've been taught. Honestly, yeah. so, I love the humility. But yeah. you know, you're, when you're doing it, that's mm -hmm. very wise in itself. Even yeah. though you you may be duplicating, there's huge value in that as well. So talk yeah. to me. Where are we people? Where are we finding you? Uh, TXBizDad.com. Uh, all my social media links will be on there, and then most of my social media accounts are at TXBizDad. All right. Good deal. It's great having you, man. Keep on firing. You're not firing. Keep on hiring. Keep on with your uh, great core values. It's a firing like firing in all cylinders. I don't know where that came from. But <laughs> it's all good. Yeah. I appreciate you having me, brother. <laughs> all right, man. It's great stuff. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Building Great Sales Teams. Be sure to appreciate it. If you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you consume podcasts. This way you'll get notifications as new episodes become available. Remember, great sales teams are not recruited. They are built block by block. Until next time.